Well, this morning I really wanted to talk about the action of the cross, the implications of what Jesus does for us when he goes to the cross. Um, But as I studied, I decided to approach that question in a little different way. Today is Palm Sunday. It was the start of the week in uh, Jesus's day. It was like Monday where the Sabbath was on Saturday. And it was the day that Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the Passover. And as he does so, Jesus is walking into a number of metaphors and pictures that he really does fulfill. But you have to pay attention and know a little background to understand them. But if you do, then it starts to shed some new light, I think, on what he does when he goes to the cross. So today we're going to talk about Palm Sunday It's a very important story. It's one of the few stories found in all four of the Gospels. Uh, Each of the Gospel writers kind of pick what they're going to put in to fit what they're doing. You can't reflect on all of what Jesus did. But this is a story makes all of the Gospels. And so I could have gone from anywhere, but I chose to read this out of the Gospel of Mark. So we're in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, of which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. I will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road and spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed there were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here ends the reading of God's word. Now let's paint the context here for a second. This is a very important week for the Jewish people. It's the week of Passover. Passover is the celebration of the Exodus story. You remember from Sunday school, I hope, the ten plagues. You got the frogs and the boils and the blood and the livestock and, I don't know, five other ones. And the last one is the Passover where the angel of death comes over the city and those who have the blood of a lamb around their doorposts, the angel of death passes over. But those who do not, the angel comes in and kills the firstborn of the home. It is an important story for the Jewish people. It's the identifying story. It's them being freed from slavery, that they really are God's chosen people, that they really do have a promised land that they are going to go to and live in. This is the defining moment for the Jewish people. 
It still guides Jewish politics to this day in the Middle East. This event of Passover, this event of the Exodus. And so once a year, the Jewish people would get together and as many as possibly could would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It was celebrated in in a very unique way. First of all, there was the sacrifice of of the Passover lambs. And the way it would work, there would be these lambs that were without blemish. So no marks, no nicks or cuts. Perfect, well-kept sheep that are without any kind of flaw that would be sacrificed. And there would be one that was the perfect lamb, the Passover lamb, that would be sacrificed for the whole people of Israel. But other than that, there would be all these other lambs without blemish that you would keep for the week of Passover. They would come into your home and they were supposed to be your lambs. Four days you were required to keep this lamb and at the end of four days you could take it to the temple, normally on Friday, and you would ask, the, the priest would ask you if you love this lamb. Is this really your lamb? Did you, do you love it? Three times the priest could ask you if you loved your lamb. And if the priest was convinced that you really loved your lamb, you could sacrifice your Passover lamb. To begin, before the week even started, you would get rid of all the leaven in the house. All all the leaven would be gone, all the yeast. Why? Because yeast is is actually a, a, a dirty thing, right? It's a constantly living, growing thing. And you would empty it. It represents sin that just sort of keeps producing in your life. You would get rid of all the leaven in your house before this time to remind you that you are trying to be perfect. On Thursday, you would in your family celebrate the Seder where you would go through a series of of, uh, liturgies and a series of storytelling and a series of action to help remind you of the Passover. This was normally done not... uh, um, Not dressed like you were home. You were supposed to dress up for it, like you were leaving. And so the Seder was held in the homes, but you left your shoes on, you tucked your, you had your belt on, you had your staff nearby to remind yourself of the people of Israel being at Passover and being ready to leave, believing God was going to lead them out. The end of the week, everyone would sacrifice their lambs. And then at the end of Friday, before the Sabbath, The sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb for the people would be sacrificed by the high priest. This was a time of of excitement, of, of bringing the people of Israel together. It was a symbol of freedom. Yes, we are God's chosen people. But think about it in its immediate context. Okay? We yeah, we're free. God brought us out of slavery. But now we're under the rule of the Romans. I mean, there's a a political reality to Passover in Jesus' day that goes beyond just the symbolism of Passover. There's a hope that someday we're going to throw off these Roman oppressors and we're going to be free. In fact, from 167 to 160 B.C., Um, In Israel, there's the Maccabean revolt, the attempt to do this very thing. So when they get together for Passover, it's not just a remembrance of Passover in those days, not just a remembrance of the Exodus, but they're thinking about the Romans. Maybe Jesus or maybe God will free us again 
from the people. Maybe we will be out from underneath of this oppression someday. And so Passover took on this political longing for actual freedom in the place of Israel. A season of national pride and of wondering about what the future holds for our children and our children's children under the reality of the Roman rule. And so if you want to understand what's going on on Easter week and you really want to understand Palm Sunday, you got to keep all this background information kind of in the back of your head. But you've also got to see all the symbolism that Jesus is walking into. In particular, I want to highlight four signs and two other parades that happened on that day. Four signs and two parades. The first sign, the first symbol was that of the donkey. There's a verse in Zechariah, Zechariah 9.9, that's even more specifically quoted in several of the other Gospels, and it goes like this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this verse said to them, and they always were looking for this royal king, king of David's line, it would have had to have been, that would eventually be coming and would be riding on a donkey into the city of Jerusalem. When it references Zion, it's clearly marking Jerusalem. And it's referencing, O daughter of Jerusalem, clearly the people of Jerusalem. And so they were looking for a king looking for someone who was going to free them, a Messiah king that would come in riding on a donkey. Symbol number two. They waved leafy branches, probably palm branches. That's what we assume. We have palm branches. Although at this time of year, there really wouldn't be palm branches in Jerusalem. They probably had to bring them from other parts of Israel. And and it's pretty common to think that they did that not just for Jesus, But they would bring palm branches and they would wave them as people would enter the city to welcome them home to Jerusalem. Palm branches were a symbol of national pride. And so it was often that when people would come into Jerusalem or when anything would go on in the people, they would wave their palm branches as a symbol of our nation. Symbol number three, the cries of the people pretty amazing that the, the cries of the people come almost exclusively other than a quick reference in, in some of the other gospels and in this one too to, to some to some kind of line of David okay it says um, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David okay but the rest of this comes right out of Psalm chapter 118 verses 25 and 26. And Psalm 118 was a psalm that you sang while you were on the way into Jerusalem. It was called a song of ascent. It was a song that you sang whenever you came into the, uh, the city of Jerusalem that is up on a hill. You were always going up to Jerusalem. And it goes like this. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, We bless you from the house of the Lord. The word Hosanna really means, oh, save or save us. And so as the people are crying out this line, they really are calling upon Jesus to be this King David, to save them, to come into this place. 
Now this was probably also a psalm that had been sung all day. It was probably a welcoming psalm. But with Jesus, it seems to have been special. They seem to be recognizing him as part of this David figure. And they put their coats not only on the donkey, but on the road. This is a symbol of praise and submission. Okay, it was done typically for kings. It's done one time in the Old Testament where a king is entering into the city and they lay their coats down. And it's a great symbol of sacrifice. That no, you don't have to walk on the ground. We are going to provide the ground for you. I mean, it's an understanding that we submit to your ruling, right? We're going to provide the road for you. Because that's what we do with kings, right? That's what we do with government. We pay taxes and provide the way for that. And it's a way of submitting to say, yes, I willingly lay down something of myself for you to be king. These, Jesus was not the only person that entered into Jerusalem that day. There were others that came in, but not with the same kind of symbolism, but some different symbolism. There were plenty of people that came in that day just to come in for Passover. But there were two particular parades that happened that same day. One was the parade of King Herod. King Herod, this would be King Herod Antipater, um, who had killed John the Baptist and was famous for later in the week uh, also being part of the trial process for Jesus. Okay? King, King Herod wasn't always in Jerusalem, but he would have been for the Passover. Why? Because that's where all the people were. That's where all the pomp and circumstance would be. And that's where if you were going to have any kind of rebellion in your area, you would have it be right in the middle of all this national pride. So King Herod makes his way sometime during that Sunday into town. He probably rode on a great stallion, on a great horse, surrounded by a Roman guard. Herod was not Jewish. He would have been Roman. Um, assigned to rule in this area. And so we have earlier that day, probably sometime that morning, the parade of King Herod with all of the, the pomp and circumstance and probably a, a lot of praise and yelling, although not always, he was not always real well liked and his family was not a very good family uh, to just about anybody. But contrary to Jesus, he would have come in Big stallion, big to do, probably in Roman armor, probably looking really sharp. But there was a march of a king that very day. But there was another parade. The parade of the Passover lamb. At some point, all those lambs that have to go to all those families for the week have to come into Jerusalem. They're not raised there. There's not a lot of places to keep sheep. There's not a lot of grasslands around Jerusalem. The sheep were raised in Bethlehem. And so they had to be marched from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And so at some point during that morning, the high priest would have led a parade of lambs in. Probably that one lamb, the best lamb that was going to be sacrificed for all of Israel, would either be on its shoulders or right with him. And the high priest would come marching in and there was probably a lot of praise and a lot of singing as those lambs marched into town. They would have to march at the start of the week because they'd have to go to families so that they could be in those households for four days. 
so that they could be sacrificed at the end of the week. And so just as that lamb was brought in, so too Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And think about the parallels that week. Jesus at the Passover celebration identifies with that lamb. When he lifts the cup and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, he's talking about the cup that represented the blood of the lamb. And if you come to the Seder on Thursday, you're going to see that really clearly. Jesus is walking into this image and identifying at Passover Seder with this lamb. And amazingly, these lambs are probably raised in Bethlehem where Jesus himself was born. He comes from the same place as those lambs. He enters the town the same way that they do. And in fact, that lamb, the Passover lamb, would have been sacrificed in the, at the end of the day on Friday, about three o'clock, the same time the gospel tells us that Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus dies at the same time as that perfect lamb that was marched in the same way earlier in the week. See, there's all this imagery going on, and Jesus fulfills it all. He's the true Passover lamb. He's the new high priest. He's the king. He's the Messiah. He does come to save them. He is from the line of David. He is deserving of that blessing and that praise that the people give him. But think with me through one more aspect of this. If Jesus is all those things that all those people are calling for, why does he die on Friday? Why is there so many people, why are there so many people calling for his execution by the end of the week? And think about the ending of this story, in fact. Jesus walks in, and according to Mark, walks in, looks around at the temple, kind of nods and leaves. No revolution, no claiming his kingship. He doesn't even stay there. He goes outside of the city. This is the way Jesus is now. He is annoyingly inconsiderate of what we want him to do. Jesus is frustratingly in, insistent on doing his own way. He enters into Jerusalem. And, and he's everything that those people want. He's everything that those people need. He's everything that those people are looking for. And yet he's not that in the way that they want him to. But Jesus does this to us all the time. Jesus is your true king. But he might not lead you into places that are always in your best interest. He is your true Savior, but He may not always save you from all the things you think He should save you from. He's your true Lamb, but He's not always passive and submissive to what you want Him to do. So this Holy Week, take some time to reflect on who Jesus is and all that He does for you. Maybe start in each of the Gospels with Palm Sunday and read forward. And reflect on the images of the palm, the images of the cross, through that week. And it's why I wanted everybody here to have a cross and a palm to put somewhere to think about some of these images this week. Try to take in and get a grip on the depth and breadth of the work of Jesus for you. But be warned. Jesus may be everything that you really want and you really need, but he doesn't always feel that way. Be, be prepared to be a little surprised and a little shocked this Holy Week.
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Holy Week, for the specialness of this time, for all the imagery that's swirling about as you enter into this week. Help us to start to get a grasp on some of that imagery. Help us to start to seek to learn more about who you are and what you've done. May this really be a special week as Easter approaches. In Jesus' name, amen.